you know, uh, coming to contribution margins as a subject, in terms of the business, you mentioned that it's a more rational, well-played-out growth play and you've been a marketer and then you've become the chief growth officer now. So, what has changed from the kind of numbers you were tracking on your radar? There's campaign performance and this and that, but now you have the business right. responsibility in some sense, Correct. right? So, how does that uh, part of the PNL or marketing contribution and uh, those components look like? So, essentially, uh, so the lens changes completely. So, one is that you look at a function in general, mm. uh, but as a chief growth officer, you have to see data even more holistically. Correct. Uh, it can be different business verticals. Uh, it can be the funnels that I just spoke about. You say verticals, within candidate, you have more verticals? Yes, How is we have structured? more verticals. So, essentially, th these are channels. So, one mm. is my direct channel, wherein okay. uh, business comes in directly from my website. Mm. Uh, second is a marketplace, wherein... Mm. Uh, uh, my what purchase happens uh, via marketplace mm -hmm. and third is B2B business as well. Okay. So we have certain uh, share of Child B2B business works. as well. Yeah. So that is how it works. Uh, so these are the three main is channels. Is there like a major split between these three or where does your mind share go predominantly? Uh, it's direct business because is that is, the that is having the highest mm -hmm. share. Uh, okay. So that is where we brainstorm the most mm -hmm. and uh, that is where we spend most of our energies. Time and effort as well. Uh, yeah. Okay. So that is how it is. Mm. So, uh, so when you see the lens changes, of course the allocation of uh, split between these three different lines of business mm. or what you call them, channels would uh, become a part of your radar. Right. But now as far as the performance or the PNL or the, you know, the math of doing these kinds mm -hmm. of efforts is concerned, you've not gone crazy with uh, the CPC bids despite the competition evolving, right? Because mm. there is Candia by Kalyan, but there's also this Caratlin by Tanish, which right. is, you know, a fairly well-trusted competing brand. Right. And ultimately, uh, the digital jewelry buying audience is NX summer, which is probably growing at a certain pace. Right. So now, are you expanding the category overall in terms of people buying jewelry online or is this a market share battle? I'm sure it's a combination somehow, but right. is that the lens that you look at uh, people from? So uh, what we are essentially doing is, uh, so these are the three channels that we spoke about, mm. but there is a fourth channel which is emerging in Candair, uh, mm. which is which, uh, which is the experience center. Okay. So oh, we are going, going on omni-channel, wow. yes. So we are creating uh, experience centers for our customers, wherein uh, in the entire journey, we saw that users are actually browsing jewelry online but eventually they they are they more comfortable or they would want to have the look and feel of the jewelry as well. And this and is hence, like a qualitative quantitative analysis which yes, led you to this. Yes. But then this goes back to the whole Omni channel. I mean, Tanish and Caratlin, for some reason they have two distinct two uh, yes, things. Yes. But in your case, Celiangelas already exist, but now Candy also has to go offline. Yes, yes. Okay. So essentially, there is uh, a lot of demarcation that we have done with mm. respect to product lines. Okay. So Kalyan predominantly is more of Mura jewelry sure. or jewel, uh, wedding jewelry per yeah, se. Yeah. But ours is more uh, dainty jewelry, mm. everyday jewelry, mm. office wear, so on and sure. so forth. So there's a clear demarcation that so we have So brand-wise, you're separate, but yeah. now Candier, if he has to go offline, would this be like a large assortment? You can't see 10,000 SQs in the store, yeah. but what's your... So essentially, what we want to do is we would want to give experience to our customers. Mm -hmm. And with the two stores that, that we have opened, one is in both both uh, both those experience centers are in Mumbai itself. Sure. So we are giving curated kind of uh, products to our customers, mm -hmm. our best sellers uh, predominantly. And uh, the, the kind of jewelry, the everyday jewelry which is there, these are the jewelries which are present in the stores. So, so not a 10,000 SKUs? Uh, typically, you can consider almost uh, a thousand SKUs or eight hundred SKUs. And this is all real jewelry which I can buy from the yeah, store and walk yeah, yeah. out. Yes. But this is certainly also open up this whole offline market for you, right? The casual yes. browser who comes in maybe comes in second time and then buys. Yes. Yes. Correct. Hmm. But from a data gathering perspective, now are you doing anything on that direction of the candy or physical store to enrich your? Subsequent online experience for the same visitor. So essentially, it's the entire experience uh, that we have created on stores uh, is synced to online. Okay. Wherein a customer uh, makes a purchase. The same four-step funnel, is it? Yes, yes. <laughs> 
So it's just that the first three steps happen mm. on the stores, but sure. eventually the purchase which happens, it happens on on the website, on the key, the the point of sale systems that we have kept. Oh, so he's not going to pick up and walk. He'll place yes, an order yes, there and yes, that'll yes, get delivered. Yes. So there are two things to it. If the customer is not willing to do it and he wants a store manager to do it, the store manager does, okay. does it for him. Kind of what Lenskart does, right? In some yes, sense. kind of. Lenskart also doesn't, I mean, I can see the frames, but I don't buy from there and take it yeah, long. Yeah. I have to place an order, it'll come yes. to me, ship. So, that, I mean, all the orders are ultimately digital orders. An experience which you're able to provide yes. offline. And uh, would this have a skew in terms of uh, the thousand SKUs you've put are anyways the best sellers? So people right. would get confidence slash, I like this enough to mm. order this online. So some sort of a beef up on that side. Okay, very interesting. So is this somewhere, uh, you know, so again, coming back to the whole market share battle versus growing the category battle, now that you've chosen to go offline, yeah. in some sense, it's a category growth play. Mm-hmm. And is that like a large part of your agenda now to kind of think of uh, offline as a play? Yes, or yes, it's definitely. it's a pilot and you will validate some assumptions. Uh, the it is a pilot, but eventually we know that it, it works. Online for the Oh, yes. So that's the reality of most D2C brands, so to speak, which are no more direct to consumer because a lot of their sales are not on their own Shopify platform. Mm-hmm. Of course, marketplaces have a big role to play. And then offline is something which is unavoidable. Correct. Right? So while you made a choice from an experience perspective, uh, is there any specific uh, pointer that said that, okay, guys, this is going to cap out here if you don't go offline? Was that a sort of, I mean, cap out not in terms of the absolute size of business, perhaps the growth rate. You want to grow at an aggressive pace and you have to go offline because online growth is only so much. I mean, the share increases uh, when we have uh, multiple channels. Sure. So that's the entire thought process mm-hmm. behind it. Uh, as we know that uh, since we are talking about jewelry, jewelry per se, uh, a large number of users would want to go offline. Mm. And that is the general behavior that we have seen in the entire customer journey. Wherein they are more comfortable looking at uh, jewelry online. Sure. But when it comes to shopping, they mm. would want to go there because emotions are attached to it. Yeah. They would want to go uh, with their loved ones, so on and so forth. Uh, so yeah, the entire experience is something, the omni-channel piece. Now, if I am only an offline brand, I cannot give an online presence. The 10,000 catalog yes. won't work. If I have so, online, it works. This is going to scale up, I would <clears> imagine. <throat> and from a steering people into the offline source perspective, in your online experience, mm-hmm. would where would it appear in the user's journey to say that, hey, if you want to check it out, go here. And to which users will you tell? Because you probably don't want to tell everybody because then they'll stop buying online and go offline. Right? How do you make that... Uh, so uh, essentially the thing is since we know that uh, in which pin uh, pin codes we are available mm. so mm. our customer journeys on the website are crafted based the pin codes but so Bombay, i mean people who have the enthu and they're buying a lakh rupee worth of ring they will be okay to spend that kind of time no i don't, I don't think know. so yeah, I mean, I mean, that's I mean, a distinction you should uh, They would want, they might not go far away to buy a jewelry, mm. uh, but if it is there in vicinity, if they are so loving they a brand, maybe they consider. But then this would need a much larger density to kind of yes, contribute yes. to your play to be meaningful, right? Correct. So just early days for us uh, with respect to omni-channel. Sure. But I'm definitely. But interesting uh, dimension to kind of scale in. 